Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Before we get started with Brendan and KVV, I'd like to talk about our PGA Championship sponsor, Greater Than. I highly recommend everybody give this stuff a shot. It tastes great, and it is really way better for you than the traditional long-standing sports drinks on the market. It has less sugars, less calories, and twice the electrolytes. Try out GT at drinkgt.com and use the promo code THEFRIEDEGG with no spaces to get 20% off your first order. If you love Greater Than already, ask your golf course or club to stock it. Now, without further ado, here's our PGA Championship Recap Podcast with Brendan and Kevin. The fried egg requires a different technique. What you need to do is actually square the face so it'll dig down underneath that bad lie and propel that ball right out onto the green. Here's the thing. Playing out of a buried lie in a bunker is completely different than playing out of a nice, clean lie in a greenside bunker. You need to be aggressive on any shot, whether it's sitting cleanly or it's a uh, fried egg. Well, we've all faced it, the dreaded fried egg. It's not to be feared, though. It's actually a pretty easy shot to hit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. I am joined by... Brendan Porath from SB Nation and Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN. Guys, welcome on. Andy, thanks for having me. Andy, great to be here. The third time back. I'm, it's like uh, I'm the Brooks Kepka of the Friday Egg Podcast. <laughs> yeah, three in a row here. What a what a tournament! It was awesome. I mean, I I think we all uh, you know predicted that it was going to be a good leaderboard, but man couldn't have predicted this i think we thought maybe tiger was gonna miss a cut and uh, uh that certainly didn't happen did it not at all i mean it was am i wrong in saying like uh, thursday and friday really kind of lacked juice like I, I don't know like i thought like we were kind of like wow this this really stinks the course has really been poured on and like you know the coverage we can't watch anything it's just we kind of we get of course you know, Twitter demands the thought of the exact moment. That's really rarely a holistic 10,000-foot view. But, uh, you know, I think it, it's just the latest lesson and kind of take chilling out and waiting for things to happen, fall, unfold. I know that Brooks Kevko was not happy that no one wanted to talk to him about his one under 69. <laughs> uh, heard all about that from Claude Harmon yesterday, about how disrespectful that was to the U.S. Open champion. I'm like, all right, guess what? I'm going to request you at every single major from now on, and you're going to tell me your thoughts on the course. It's real fun to hear you after you shoot 74 someday. Um, I do think that that picture that Joel Beal posted of the press conference um, yeah. for Kepka, that's amazing. I mean, there was like five people in there. Yeah. Which, well, I mean, he doesn't I mean, they, say anything, though. They do these, like, the, <clears throat> these Tuesdays are just, Every 20 minutes, they're bringing a new guy, a new guy, a new guy. And there's only, like, you know, we live in a universe of unlimited content. But, uh, you know, there's, uh, like, there might actually be limits. You know, (laughs) Brooks Koepka (laughs) on a Tuesday, uh, you know, it's just the limit after Tiger and all these people. Like, I'm sorry, he doesn't, you know, now, of course, we have a different view. He's a three-time major winner. Um, But he, he just, like, you can't have it both ways where... 
you know, the media, like the media doesn't want to talk to me. And then when the media talks to you, you're kind of like a brusque dickhead and you don't give them anything to work with. You know, it seems like, you know, I, I actually liked his press conference after the win last night. And, and I actually, I think it was a question from you, Kevin. He really, he, he had to think about becoming one of the all time greats and he yeah. smiled and it like, actually, you, you might, you actually saw something kind of working up there. Yeah, I think we're, he we're now. Yeah, <laughs> I think he kind of wanted to give like a, a legit answer. Like I just, and he said he likes golf, and these next few years are going to be awesome. But like I think it's it's hard to have it both ways. That that photo, like those Tuesdays are madness. It, like you can't just sit in that press conference room all day. You have work to do. There are things to do, and and I guess Kep could just draw the sh- short straw and the wrong time, and he was at near the end of the day. That's just how it happened. But it was a, it was not the most. Uh, it was kind of an indicting photo for the press. Look, if you so, if you never if you compare yourself to the Tiger press conference, you're never gonna like be okay with like how things work out because like every local TV station there wants to get the Tiger clip on the St. Louis news, and you know it's. It, you just have to kind of accept that it's different. I mean, it's different for Rory. Like, there's not that many people. There's, I mean, there's more people in the Rory press conference, but that's because Rory could say something really, you know, interesting and insightful. And maybe Brooks could do that, but you know, I haven't heard it yet in a presser from him. And I think it's just because he's not entirely like that kind of person who wants to give that to himself. You, it's sort of a be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Like, all right, the, we're the, we're getting you know, this back on the tracks. No more press conference talk. Let's talk about. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> you know, yeah, you brought up the photo. Well, you know, I didn't want it to divulge into like a five-minute discussion of press conferences. We, got, <laughs> we got to, we got to get back on topic here. The, uh, is, I mean, Tiger, smart. Tiger Woods shot one thirty on the weekend and lost. Yeah, like, and it wasn't, it wasn't like I don't ever, I never felt like he was gonna win. I felt briefly like when he almost dumped that wedge on 15 that he could win. That was the one moment where I was like, man, like this is even though it was coming off kind of a deflating bogey, just felt like there was a lot of rumors that Adam Scott had made a double. And so we were all like, oh, man, it's just Brooks and Tiger in that moment. And so that was the one moment I was like, maybe he's going to come to 17. If he hits that bomb cut that he's been hitting out there, he's going to have a really good chance of hitting this close in two and you know it just kind of just sort of uh deflated after that yeah there was one moment uh, i i actually i allowed myself to think he was gonna win yesterday i don't know that i did at the open uh even when he held the lead it just felt like at the open there were still too many names it's too it was too crowded there were but whereas yesterday i felt like it just all he needed was something for Brooks to, you know, he's just relying on a Brooks collapse, which, you know, was highly unlikely as we've seen. He's a machine. But, you know, there was that moment where he had two bogeys in a row. And I think on the sixth, he needed like a pretty lengthy save coming back up mm-hmm. after he blew it past the hole. Like, I just felt like he had shown signs of maybe giving a shot or two back to the field coming in. And as Tiger, <clears throat> again, at 15, like when the ball was in the air and it literally almost went in the freaking hole, um, it just felt like something special was happening. Even in like the putter raise on 13, I went and uh, did the like Photoshop comparison with 86 necklace. I never tweeted it because I was like, <laughs> oh, this is like, this will be like all takes exposed or something terrible. It's like, like he did the putter raise on 13 
and then he, you know they made the bogey it came back on 15 i was like there is this 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 might be like even with brooks kepka being the way he is this might be like something bigger than him and something might be happening i allowed myself to think he could have won yesterday the uh let me uh rattle down from 13 on this is you know brooks kepka birdie looks seven feet six inches six feet eight inches 11 feet five inches 10 feet, 10 feet, six feet, seven inches. He was 104 feet and three inches and two on 17. So I think he had like six feet, four inches on 17 and for birdie. Yep. And then on 18, he had his longest birdie look of 17 feet on the last seven holes. Like that is just dominance. The drives too. I mean, uh, you the drive on 15 was like 340 and yeah. then the the four iron to six feet and then yeah. the drive on 17 was i was standing right behind him it was unreal i mean it was murdered and then his yeah. drive on 18 was murdered it was like that was what tiger used to be like the guy who just absolutely you know he could hit it wild but just dialed it in as a clinic when it mattered and that's his biggest weapon he's a great putter he has a pretty underrated short game Obviously, he's hitting it that close, but the driver, oh my goodness, just murdered them. He, no chance to anybody. We were lucky it was this close. I thought on 17, like, he took, like, an extra beat, you know, and they said it on the broadcast, like, this is really, like, the last spot of trouble. I mean, Kevin, you were there, the 17th is, like, this is, like, his last really chance where he could get in trouble. There's a hazard. We just saw Tiger go in it. Um and then he like he not only he he took the perfect angle, cut off like took took like right on a rope over yeah. the left half, caught the fairway as it come you know dog leg slight left back and you know it was just perfect. There was no there was no crack anywhere to be found even after that that front nine hole. There was just no crack, and it was it was just a the juxtaposition between Tiger kind of blowing one off the planet right. And then them kind of, it almost felt like the broadcast was like trying to like tease it for us, like jinx him <laughs> into like it. Like this is the last, tr- really the last spot where you can get in trouble. And then it was the exact opposite. I was honestly that at the time I was like, that's one of the best pressure drives that I've ever seen. Like because it was just hammered as hard as he swung at it. And there was just no doubt. And I just watched Tiger, you know, take five minutes to think about his drive on 17 before like five minutes before and kind of ran back to Brooks and Tiger, you know, his had almost no chance. And Brooks was just dead nails. By the way, when Tiger's ball went, looked like it was in the water on 17, I was, we were walking up and I was walking next to Michael Phelps who I know a little bit. And I was like, Hey man, if this is in the water, do you think we, there's anybody around here who might be willing to swim the Creek and get it out? And he's like, dude, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> humble, humble, bra- humble brag right. right there <laughs> KBB name dropping old old uh old sources michael Phelps. um the uh that drive brooks had on 17 was kind of like uh dj's on uh 18 at oakmont yeah that's yeah. a good point it's a good comparison what what was more impressive i mean i i thought the the shot into 16 though i mean I, it's it's like hard to choose i don't know what what was more the shot into 16 from what 230 232 to six i think it was 246 248 248 i that was the official yardage of the hole to i think 248 and then he hit it 
according to the shot tracker, like 247 or something. So the, it might have been back all the way at 250 something. That was an unbelievable shot. Like yeah. one of the best shots I've ever seen in my life. I mean, his, I was talking to his caddy afterwards. And he was just like, it was just a freaking laser. I mean, it just never left the pin. It, it literally like they had the shot tracer on it and I don't think it moved. Like it was a straight rope. Like I, that's the thing I, I think is like, when I look at when I remember this, I mean, and I think we saw the same thing at Aaron Hills and to a degree at Shinnecock, like the guy just I mean, he's unbelievable. Like it, it not just the driving, but the putting like the putts go in the dead center of the hole and they like are the perfect speed. And you're really surprised when he misses like you're surprised when he misses a tee shot. You're surprised when he misses putts. And that doesn't happen with many guys down the stretch. Like, yeah, I I was waiting for like Adam Scott. You know, I I love Adam Scott, great player. But like, you 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 kind of sat and you were waiting for him to kind of fall apart. Versus like Brooks, I was just like, you know, is he gonna miss any putts like that? Like you're almost praying for a miss so it was close. Yeah, I I wrote this in my column, but like. What if Greg, what if like Brooks is like our Greg Norman, except instead of wilting in the big moments, he like just is steps on people's throats. Like there's a lot of similarities. Like they're like young and stronger than everyone. They're both fitness freaks. They're both like generational drivers of the golf ball. But Brooks might have the one thing that Norman didn't, which is just that he's a killer closer. They have their own logo. (laughs) That is also true. Brooks has a nifty little BK. Dave is a lot of like beautiful women, BK <laughs> fast cars. I mean, kind of gruff and, and arrogant a little bit, off putting to some people. Uh, I like it. The uh, yeah, it, the poll question that Philip Johnson tweeted last night was was great. Like, it's an unbelievable question. Like, better, like, whose career would you rather have, Brooks or DJ, right now? I mean. I don't know. I I think honestly that's I would rather have Brooks's, even though yeah. it's a you know, it, it's probably unfair, but like this is history is how if you want to be remembered, if you want to have like a legacy, then majors are what it is. It, does anyone really care that DJ won Kapalua or DJ won at in Memphis like twenty years from now? No. They're gonna be like that dude has one or two majors and that seems like a you know, not very much for someone who might be the most talented player that ever lived. And so the fact that Brooks just has that kind of extra gear that makes him not care. I mean, it's, we were talking about this last night and we were kind of joking, but like Sean Martin's take about DJ is like the best take of all time that he, the only major he's ever won is the one that he didn't know this own score. <laughs> that's like, so that's so nails as to what maybe DJ is like, he, he, Maybe DJ isn't like the ice cold sort of chill dude that we all kind of presume he is. And maybe he does get a little bit nervy uh, when he's around the lead. And this is Brooks is proving to be the opposite. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see w- what's the spread, like seven years, maybe seven, six years yeah. age. It's, it's kind of yeah. so these are like. Like, Brooks is in the same spot DJ was at, whatever, Whistling Straits or Pebble Beach or all those, like, major chances that he had late and didn't really close. And Brooks is actually closing them. Now, I'm trying to think of, like, 
when you were talking about what we unfortunately we, we define we define careers by majors and Brooks has three and DJ has one and Brooks has, you know, six years down, you know, more to go uh, yeah. behind it. I, I just think like I'm trying to think of the analog for DJ, like a, someone who like when you were there in the moment, you like, I mean, it was just like erotic to watch. It was like amazing. It was arousing, <laughs> but like then kind of like, the 30 year view down the road was it's listening to the old man tell you about how good he was to watch, even though he had five less majors than is like a Weisskopf or somebody like that. I don't know who that would be in the moment, but you know, we love it. And like, we, we can appreciate it and we'll be able to talk about it 30 years down the road. But if he has just like one or two majors and, you know, 40 wins and Brooks has seven or eight majors and 15 wins, 20 wins, like, we are going to hold Brooks's career in, in higher esteem. Yeah, they I, the financial things. One person tweeted like seventy million to like twenty million. It's like the, DJ. From, yeah, yeah, from the financial sense, there's no question what you would want. But from a legacy sense, I mean, three majors a, is but rare. But DJ's also been a pro, you know, seven yeah. eight years longer. I don't know. I mean, I, I look at it. Hey, if they both retire tomorrow. Whose is it? You know, that's the way I think you have to approach these. And like when I post, everybody's like, you know, terrible. I said something about Hall of Fame, like, and I, I meant it on the, in the context of like, like Brooks retires tomorrow. He's in the Hall of Fame, which is nuts. Like I didn't, I didn't foresee. I, I didn't realize that was the case with Brooks before this tournament, watching it yesterday until like, even until like a couple hours later, I was like, holy cow. He's a major champ. He's a he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he was a Hall of Famer before he won that. No, am I crazy? Like, this isn't like this isn't like Cooperstown. We don't have these like old crusty writers, you know, <laughs> pissed off at the world and happy to just put no one on their ballot. It's like just like an open door policy. I, I think he was in the Hall of Fame before Brooks last. Is, uh, Brooks is totally gonna pull a to though if he doesn't get. <laughs> Hall of Fame and have his own ceremony with like Mick Ultra in like a bar somewhere. <laughs> Gonna go to like the Panhandle or something. And, like, yeah, this <laughs> is for my haters. So. But Fred Couples is in the Hall of Fame with one major, oh. right? Oh. I mean, what else does he have? He has he like what? What do you have? Fifteen wins or something like that? I know. Yeah, yeah. I know he has a lot of PGA Tour wins. Here's but. here's another question: What is one major equal in in PGA Tour wins? Like. What's the what's the ratio? I don't think uh, it I like seven or eight at least. Yeah, because like John Daly has what like four career wins and like two are majors, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And some of that is like because of John Daly's like a circus act, but like so I'm not sure you can just win two majors, but it, and get in the Hall of Fame. But this, at some point, like if you win three, you're you're just in. Like there's no real debate about it. It'd be like winning twenty one you know, PGA tour titles. Monty's in the hall of fame. Monty is in the hall of fame. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's Five or <laughs> Monty, Monty has won a lot of European majors. A lot of wins. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so tiger. Well, yeah. I mean, tiger solidified that he is the rock from, from KVV's earlier take. <laughs> Because, yes, <laughs> because 
if if Tiger's not in this thing, it's the 2017 U.S. Open. That is correct. No one like the the emotional like Adam correct. Scott is playing for Jared Lau thing is maybe a storyline, but there's not the like bonkers crowds. Uh, so yeah, the the Rock take turned out to be pretty good. The Rock <laughs> back and he's getting the. The, the all those little fans and uh, out there getting going nuts and uh, I don't know like uh, it, to a certain yeah. degree it was the 2017 U.S. Open where where Brooks just like there was some hope but then he just really put it away and he put yeah. it, put it to bed but the hysteria of Tiger just like clouded that it was actually kind of you know there wasn't a lot of drama. Yeah, you know, like Tiger made the drama by shooting sixty four, but he didn't ever really have a chance. It's funny how Tiger like makes everything okay because like think of if Aaron Hills had happened when everyone was kind of like, "Ugh, Aaron Hills, what a bad U.S. Open." If Tiger had been second instead of JT or whatever in that U.S. Open, people would been like, "Well, that was great. We got to go back to Aaron Hills, man." Like even though Kepka won, like Tiger made it interesting. No one would have complained about the score if Tiger was involved in that. I kind of wrote this this morning. Like Tiger is the only one that can make. Tiger is the only one that can make something dramatic, you know, separate and apart from the outcome. You know, uh, uh, he, we don't need him to win for him to like be the show, obviously, and to provide the most dramatic moments of the day. It's like it was never like that in his career. Like his career was all about outcomes. His career was like I show up to win a tournament. It feels like this season and definitely yesterday that changed. He knew he didn't win on 18 when he fist pumped and started smiling and waving to the crowd. He knew, you know, he hadn't won when he hung around the locker room and, you know, hugged. Like, it just feels a little different. Like, he feels like there's reward in playing and putting on the show like he did yesterday. Um, And not just reward in, you know, not this kind of like black and white world of win versus loss. And, like, obviously, he's the only kind of person that could could be the show while, while losing by by two shots or, you know, never while Brooks kind of really, like you've said, Andy never really had anything in doubt, left it in doubt over the last two, two, two and a half hours of the broadcast. Like Tiger is obviously the only person who who can deal that show, steal that show. And obviously, and I think it comes clearly in the context of not getting that for two years and not thinking we ever would. He think he seems happier to me. I think that's not a, like a made up projected sort of uh, take that he, is genuinely like Kyle talked about this uh, a little bit yesterday, but I think he's talked about it on the other on the Nulling Up pod. But there was a moment on Saturday when Tiger just roped uh, an awesome stinger, I think on like eleven, and he just kind of went over and, and people were going nuts. And he put uh, his his club in his bag and he just sort of smiled like he was taking it all in. And I think what's kind of neat about watching this sort of version of Tiger four point is that he's able to sort of enjoy and appreciate things a little bit. He still gets really pissed when he hits a drive, you know, that stinks. But, like, he wasn't, you know, a salty dick after the round about, you know, like, or he didn't make an excuse about anything. And he just was kind of like, hey, you know, like, I, I played really well. And obviously I needed a great round. It wasn't quite enough. And, you know, it was there to hug Brooks and maybe kind of flirt with his girlfriend a little bit. And that was... <laughs> That was classic new tiger. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite tweet was that there's like someone got the screen cap of like the eyes locking. It's like she's one yacht invite away from leaving. 
maybe slightly inappropriate, but the faith, you know, that's what the internet's for. Um, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I think that's maybe this, maybe this is the value of this like sunset phase of Tiger's career is like, you know, maybe he wins, you know, once out of every 50, 60 times or something, you know, 50 times, let's say, yeah. or yeah, one out, once out of every 30 starts. Whereas as opposed to once out of every four, four or five. <laughs> um, but he's like, okay with that. And understands the, like, understands the value to him, value and reward both for himself and for the game and the crowd and just shooting a Sunday 64 that results in a two shot loss. Like, I, I think he really understands and appreciates that. And he wouldn't 10 years ago. He wouldn't 15 years ago. He wouldn't care. It's like, it doesn't matter. I lost. Yeah. And Maybe that's what maybe that's the real impact of this last phase of his career that yeah. the game can be dependent from outcome. It's his lowest score ever on a Sunday in a major. Yeah. I, I I predicted that in the middle of the round to Kyle. I was like, I think this is going to be the lowest he's ever shot since Bob. Like it'll be lower than the sixty-five he shot against Bob May, and it was. And I think he shot sixty-five against Bob May. I know Bob May shot sixty-five. I mean, it's he just... hit zero fairways on the front nine and <laughs> shot thirty-three. Thirty-two on the thirty-two. Unbelievable! I mean, that was one of the most ridiculous nines I've ever seen in my life. Like when he made birdie on nine, I was like, "What did I just watch?" Maybe the loudest roar I've ever heard. Like nine, uh, birdie on nine. Yeah, people. I mean, it was crazy. People were going nuts. He called it the most simple putt. It's just like the simple inside putt. The way that he got that, you know, that that's. That's for my, for my money, one of those shots that's kind of part of the career retrospective highlight. The bender from the car path. I know it was wet and soggy, and the ball was sticking where it landed. But like he threw it to that kind of second tier, and I, I for what I, I mean, the ball was going out of bounds. The ball yeah. was going ob. The drive was going ob, and then all of a sudden he's you know taking relief from the path and stuffing it on the back tier around the trees and you know off the junk. It's just. I think that's one of the that's one that you add to the kind of the career retrospective. And um, yeah, I just <laughs> I thought you know the darts at three and fifteen sounded like the loudest. I mean, there were too many shots to, to choose, you know. And, and people are get there's the backlash you always get when you talk about Tiger and not the winner. There's so much of that. I get the emails, the tweets like Tiger didn't win. It doesn't matter. Like, and we can't exaggerate Tiger. But well, as KVV just said. He shot the lowest final round in a major of his career. It is right and proper to talk as much as we are about him. We're not exaggerating this one. He he gained yeah. just a three point eight, so four seven four shots approaching the greens, and he lost one off the tee. Like he was sixty fifth off the tee, and first by almost a full shot <laughs> approaching the green. Like his approach shots were out of this world. I mean that that's what. Everybody talks about different aspects of Tiger's game, but Tiger was the best iron player in the world for so long. That's what was, I mean, that I think like a lot of stuff gets overblown, like driving the ball in the distance, but like always like approach to the green, I think is the single most important skill out there. Yeah. He seriously, like I've joked about this a couple of times, but if Rory was like, if they were playing in a shamble, together and Rory just was job was to hit the drive Tiger would have shot like 58 like three days in a row I mean it was Rory was playing from places that were 
unbelievable. I mean, he was hitting it 30 yards past JT every time and then make it, hitting it into the bunker or hitting just kind of crap wedges or whatever. And Rory would be the first to tell you that, that his approach game was crap. But the, the way that Tiger's tempo was was just so unbelievably good. It, it, you couldn't really, like, couldn't explain it. I tried to ask him about it. He's like, yeah, you know, I just had, like, a – you know, a, a legit club in every hole. I didn't have to have like a half club or bad yardage or you know, just kind of the kind of golf nerd thing. But man, I, I wanted to like bottle that tempo and just like save it for him forever because it was so unbelievably good after he got it figured out. Think about this is like he, he was three over after two holes and he, that was the difference in the tournament in some ways for him. Like, yeah. Brooks got off to a horrible start though, too. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them got like I, what was Brooks? Brooks was a couple over through you know did he double his first hole of the tournament? That's true. Yeah, he did. He was he had to claw back from it. So yeah. yeah Do you he, remember when he was two over through his first nine? Huh. Do you guys remember Stevie used to say like this felt like one of those days when Stevie used to say Tiger would get so dialed in that sometimes he would force him to kind of aim a little away from the flag because he's hitting <laughs> too much. You guys remember what he used to yeah. say? Yeah. He didn't want to hit the flag. <laughs> yeah, he was hitting too many of the the flags on the fly repeatedly. Well, that's, that's like I an AM sl- on fifteen because I couldn't tell if Tiger was mad on fifteen, like or if yeah. he was like pumped up there. And I thought maybe he had just hit it so good that it had hit the fl- hit the pin and kicked like way right or something. Instead, he was either like pumped up or he was mad they didn't dunk it. I, <laughs> this I, felt like one of those days that Stevie would like aim, like you were too odd. Like just take like you know just that a beat off so it bounces to twelve inches doesn't hit the stick. I I um, would like to say that there's a guy that says that pros can't hit it where they aim I like the. <laughs> I think pros are pretty good at hitting. Uh, hitting where they I think I I mean I, to me Tiger Tiger if his caddy's having to aim him away from the flags is hitting it where where he's aimed. Did you guys so Kevin. Just talked about bottling that tempo. I, I guess I put this to Andy and, and Kevin. Do you think what we saw yesterday with the drivers is just kind of how it is and how it's always going to be? Well, like the, it's just, the day before, yeah. it was so fluid and so good. Yeah, like the, that. A perfect like the juxtaposition is like the beautiful like like cut he hit off of sixteen on Saturday, like. Versus the beauty of the just like a tr- like never had a chance like he missed it so big it was good on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> I I think that it's probably that's what's going to be like for from now on that it's just I don't think he's ever going to get the driver figured out. But I wish that he would just basically do the Nicholas thing where it's just like, you know what? I don't care what the shape of the hole is. I'm going to play a cut from now on. And that's what's going to be my sort of go-to thing and uh and that's i'm just going to shape everything so even on like 13 at augusta either take it up over the trees or just say like yeah i'm just going to kind of flirt with the the trees there and then cut it back into the middle of the fairway or or hit three wood because he just i don't know he, he was still trying at times to kind of like turn it over and hit it <coughs> and i just don't think he can do that anymore with whatever's going on with this new swing that's just not his not going to be ever going to be his strength and so can he win a major like with uh, this new swing? Like, yeah, if it's a course where he doesn't have to hit that many drivers. Or Augusta. Yeah. I went from being like thinking that he was going to be like a Ryder Cup liability to thinking like, man, play this guy an alternate shot. So he only has to hit like three, four drivers in a round. 
and the other you know partner gets to hit the other ones, and his iron play is going to be unbelievable. He's he's all of a sudden looking like a great alternate shot player, especially with uh, the artiste. That's right. <laughs> um, so did he hit so many drivers yesterday because he felt like he had to, he he was behind or just it didn't matter? That's just what the course demands. Whether you're in front or behind, you got to hit driver. Well, I think it was both. soft too. Like it, you know that yeah. that cha- that iron just it doesn't didn't chase. You know, it's zoysia, wet zoysia. Yeah, like sure. a, like a, the like the approach shots from Kepka and uh, who was he playing with? God, uh, Scott on eight. Oh. Like the, they both hit like two amazing shots that just like hit ten yards in front of the green and just stopped. You know, like like low like approaches into that par five, and like so if he hits that iron, it's flying two fifty. It's stopping at two fifty. It's a seventy four hundred yard golf course. Like yeah. he he needed to hit driver. Gotcha. It's, gotcha. And and that you know it I something that I found, I mean one of the guy one of the most impressive things I I thought just in general like my takeaways is Justin Thomas, like he putted like crap. All week, you know, yeah. he forty fifth in strokes gained putting and fifty six strokes gained around the green, and like, I almost feel like he had the best chance to win of anybody in the field. Yeah, ten under felt, felt like the highest he could have shot. Yeah, like, I mean, this guy, I it, it, I think there's like almost like a clear class of player distinction right now with JT, DJ, and and Kepka. That sounds right. I peeled off at one point from Tiger just because I was like, all right, I want to go watch a little bit of JT because I think he he had gotten it to within a shot of Kepka. And I watched him miss the seven footer or whatever on nine uh, because he had sort of hit a bump and then he, he missed the comebacker and it was sort of uh, over. I think he, he birdied the next hole after like hitting it off a guy's head. But man, like it was. Uh, JT's he's going to be competitive in every PGA I think forever. I mean, he he and Kepka might just trade PGAs back and forth for a long time. It's like this. There's a recipe with in and Tiger created this recipe, and you know with technology, it's kind of evolved into this game. It's it's can drive it far and straight, become unbelievably good with your short irons and wedges and putt the living day lights out like last week JT putted was lights out with the putter and Kepka couldn't make anything at Firestone this yeah. week Kepka made putts and JT didn't make putts and that was the difference yeah yeah it really felt like JT should have won I mean he's six strokes behind but he just seemed chuffed or no, I'm sorry pissed at the end of the end of the day you know he, he seemed really really pissed like I cannot believe I'm only ten under. Yeah, he, I mean, he kind of gave him gave away some shots down the stretch. You could see it, it, once he sure. missed that that short one on uh, was it fourteen or thirteen? He missed a second short putt, and that, yeah. that to me kind of was like he knew he had no shot there. Is I mean, it's such that it it always goes back to that margin, like to win is just so small. Like is it the same? You saw the same thing with Scott on seventeen when he missed that putt. You know, then he makes a bogey on 18. Like, you know, you could tell, like, on his face after he missed that putt on 17, he knew that was his chance because it was one, sh- it would have been one shot going into 18. But 
he missed yeah. that six footer just slides off and it's like man it's over and that's like one of the hardest things i think with golf it's like you know once you once you know you missed your opportunity because that's like the smallest you know it's the smallest thing and for adam scott it has to be you know devastating you wonder how many does is this his last real major chant yeah i felt you know i don't know what adam scott was thinking with the two putters deal. <laughs> i mean i I <laughs> were joking the night before because I saw him on the putting green with the short putter, and I, and I guess they were showing it on Golf Channel too. And I was like, "This is nuts, man! You're like you're you're in the final group of major, and you're trying to think about a putter change the night before." And I guess Duval was like going on on say TV, being like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's just a drill or whatever." But then he shows up with two putters like the next day, and he's got them both in the bag, and it's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna use the on long putts, I'm gonna use the short putter, but on short putts, I'm gonna use the long putter." Well, at what point do you decide this is a long putt versus yeah. like is it ten feet, twenty feet? Do you look in your green reading book and decide like, all right, outside this shaded area, that's a that's going to be a long putt, and this is going to be a short putt? Like, I don't think you can have that kind of indecision. And I mean, like Adam Scott legitimately still had a chance. Like he could have yeah. the last two. He hit a bad drive on seventeen, but he managed to lay up pretty well, and then hit a pretty you know to six feet, and he he spent forever looking over that putt, and then he just hit a normal kind of Adam Scott putt, which he just didn't either read it right or hit it far enough. So, Yeah, I think uh, we tend to view Adam Scott as just kind of emotionless. He's like this, you know, good-looking guy and with the perfect swing and kind of he just – he he doesn't – he doesn't – we you know, outside of the fist pump of the Masters, we don't see him kind of react or emote in one way or the other too often. He he has some kind of searing quotes for the USGA every now and then, but like <laughs> he's just pretty kind of steady all the time. I thought you could read like the read and see the devast- that he was pretty devastated. Like they, <clears throat> in between all the stuff about Brooks and Tiger, like they showed him in scoring, and he just kind of looked spent, exhausted, and crushed. And I think one of the Aussie writers wrote that he, he like he was legitimately like devastated by the loss. Not not and the fact that. We're talking about a guy with two putters in his bag, <laughs> you know, that close and that, you know, devastated about not winning is kind of a testament to all the other parts of his game. It was well, yeah, a great tweet. It was like he brought two knives to a gunfight. <laughs> the, the, the motions, I won't ever forget his face like that it might be a lasting image for me is like of his career is his face when that putt slid off on seventeen. It, it, that's what his career kind of, if you, when you think about his long, like long-term scope is like, it's going to be a lot of close calls. Yeah. I just think it's so hard to get into contention at a major. It's like you're, when you let one slip away, it's like the Sisyphus thing. You're sliding all the way back down the mountain. That's, if Every time Rory doesn't win a master's, <laughs> It's like you have to wait an entire year just to try to get back into contention. And that's yeah. what's so like devastating, I think, when you let a major slip away. It's just like, God, when am I ever going to – how am I going to put in all the work just to get back to this moment, just to have another chance, much less to win another one of these? And, and so, it's a different one than like the Thomas Peters lighting it up. Like Adam yeah. Scott's contention was like real, like yeah. really in it. Let's take a quick break here to talk about our PGA Championship sponsor, Greater Than. After a long, hot day in St. Louis this week, I drove back to Chicago. I got home and was jonesing for a Greater Than. 
and I opened my fridge and found that Mrs. Fried Egg had drank them all while I was gone. She loves it. I love it. And I think you'll love it too. It's healthy, delicious, and hydrating. All you got to do is give it a try, uh, and I think you'll be hooked. Purchase it at drinkgt.com and use the promo code THEFRIEDEGG with no spaces for 20% off your first order. That's drinkgt.com. Now back to the pot. So, Andy, on that topic, I would say, you know, we heard a lot about the leaderboard and how great it was. Would, you know, Adam Scott has not been good since really, you know, the beginning of 2017. Thomas Peters has not been good this year. Shane Lowry has been not good this year. He switched caddies, you know. His caddy, I think, fired him in between, you know, the first and second <laughs> round at the Open. Like, he's, he's not, and he's battling to make the FedEx Cup. Like, Lowry, Peters, like, there were names of guys who have not played well on the leaderboard as well. Does that say something about the venue? Um, so or no? Am I, I just... It's, it's interesting. I think these guys can turn it around on a dime. Sure. Like, we see it all the time. Like, Gary Woodland <laughs> hasn't been playing well, played really well this week. But that being said, like, I think the course kept more guys in it because in in it, it's a common it's not all the course it's it's part of it was the conditioning like how soft it was like it didn't to me I'll think about this and think Brooks it shouldn't have been as close as it was on Sunday with as many people as there were mm-hmm. but I think the guy that won, won was supposed to win you know um yeah. so in in a sense like so something that's interesting, and you know, I've been I've been uh, talking with Big Data Golf, getting in with Big Data. <laughs> so nice. um, Saturday's round at Bell Reve had the lowest standard deviation of any major championship round in the last ten years, and any PGA Tour round uh, this entire season. So like the lowest kind of fluctuation of scores. So to me, like it seemed like Bell Reve was a course that was really pretty easy to shoot around even par and really hard to shoot really low, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So what it did is it didn't allow for big separation. You know, I think it, it's like a course, like we see it with Augusta almost every year is where the leaders kind of really separate the class. And I, it's a smaller field, so that goes into it. But you know, Brooks, either way, like Shinnecock, for example, was the hard, biggest standard deviation of any any major or uh, any tournament this year, which is comes as no surprise also. Um, but, you know, when we look at it, like the venue kept a lot of people. But is that good? You know, like it was an exciting leaderboard because of how many people were in it. Yeah. You know, the question is, like, was like, do you want the great players of the week to separate themselves. Yeah. I was wondering if the PGA's brand ought to be like not only boring courses, but just water the heck out of them so that they're <laughs> really wet everywhere. And that, that should, they should just completely dump water on anything they can so that it'll more likely the good players are able to rise to the top of the leaderboard. I, I got, I, there was my mentions this week were, was a dark, <laughs> it was a very <laughs> dark place. I mean, like, I think people have this mentality of like that, like I was like just watching golf in anger the whole week, 
And it's like, I like <laughs> yeah. love watching golf. Like, you know, and like, I think there's like an irony, like, you know, I've played amateur golf my whole life. And like the courses I hate as like a, a architecture aficionado are the courses I enjoy playing tournament golf at the most because yeah. like they fit my skill set the best. Like I hit the ball straight and far when I play well, like, yeah. and I'm an average putter. So I like playing somewhere which like gets rid of half the field and everybody after round one, look at all the variety, look at all the variety. Like there, there was no variety. Every player played the exact same style of play down the stretch. Like it was all like bombers. Like, you know, I'm not, they're the best players in the world. Like it got the best players of the world at the top, but like none of the guys in the top 10 are short hitters. Like someone was like Molinari's short. It's like Molinari hits it like 305 on average. Like that's not short. So to me, like at the end of the day, like it, the the tournament unfolded exactly how we th- said it was going to unfold before. Like the bombers are, it, it was going to be bombers, and like Brooks Kepka was like the best bomber, you know? Yeah. Who's so, like the shortest hitter on the top twenty five of that leaderboard? Shea, like, is it Shea Rave? <laughs> Shea Rave, I, who led the field in strokes gained approach or second in strokes gained approach so he was okay. you know he it took a career performance with his irons to yeah. get him there like I, sometimes when you think about like how to explain to people like what makes it like a different kind of venue that you can play different styles and be competitive like i think you think about like the 2015 like british open i'm like let's think about that leaderboard zach johnson wins but like jason day almost you know was like right there speed was right there leishman was there dj dominated the first two days like those are guys who are playing a different golf course each of them and you're they're all able to be competitive because you just play to your style and that's part of the reason why the old course is great yeah it it goes to variety yeah yeah everything and there, you can both things can be true. You can have a good tournament and a good leaderboard, and the venue still stink and boring golf. I mean, the players, it, it, the players said it themselves. Like Andy, you don't need to defend the players. You don't need to defend yourself. The players said it as much. It's all right in front of you. There is no strategy. Pat Perez was hilarious. He goes, I, I mean, I don't want to say there's no strategy, but you know, yeah. I mean, you just kind of hit it as far as you can, hit it on the green, and putt. <laughs> And there's, <laughs> he yeah. like walked himself down an alley, didn't know how to get out. It's great. The players said it. They didn't yeah. even didn't play really practice rounds. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to practice. You don't need to scout it. You hit it as far as you can, and there's not a lot to the green. Tiger never saw the first the uh, seven, eight, nine until he played them on Thursday. That's how like not strategy important it was. He never he was playing them blind. Like literally, he just didn't play them. Until so these it, are the these are the three truths. It, there wasn't strategy involved, and that's fine. The leaderboard and the championship were still exciting. And three, they spent a ton of money to dye their cart paths brown. I will, I'll, that will be like the one thing I take away. The, from, you know, from what I hear, that uh, Bell Reeves is going to be uh, a different course here pretty soon. So really, yeah, yeah. I think like one of, those people. one of the things like I I think like is Reese going to get another crack at it? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Sounds like they're going in a different direction. Okay. Is there another Jones, like some like thirty year old Jones? Like just kind of. I think that actually uh, Trent works for RTJ too. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I hear he's a really nice guy. So yeah, okay. we don't, we don't need I'm sure, look, I'm sure the, the Jones family is all really nice. So people are like getting us like a lot of this the wrong way. Is it like somehow in some of these discussions that we don't oh like these God. people or we think they're bad people? Like if you put something out there, if you make art, you have to sort of be willing to have it, you know, be critiqued. And I think that Andy's always really fair in his critiques. And so this idea that all these St. Louis people thought that somehow he was shitting on St. Louis was just silly. Like Andy and I played one of the, I think the funnest courses in the whole country on Tuesday in St. Louis and couldn't say enough nice things about it. And seeing the difference between the two was, was obvious once you stepped on the the Bell Reef property. I think one of my, like my problems with just in general is like, what happens is that this week people watch this and they, they say, Hey, this is, this is what, and just in general is what happens is the American public and the golf, it thinks that this is what great golf is. Yeah. Like in general, like the golf, this is what a great golf course is. And that's, that's where I think the struggle is, is in it, it's one of the biggest struggles of American golf is that, that people can't play the greatest golf courses in America. Yeah. Like they're the most exclusive places. And for the most part, like a trip to Bandon or a trip to stream song or sand Valley, like that, that's a once in a lifetime trip for, for most people. And that's the, that's kind of the underlying issue is like people go, they see Belle Reve and, and they think this hard style of golf is the best golf. But like, you know, St. Louis country club is like one of the most fun golf courses in the Midwest and one of my favorite. And, but unfortunately not a lot of people are going to ever see that. And it's this type of golf, like a good example is like these guys. So 7,400 yards and these guys shot two two sixty four Brooks shot, and Trinity yeah. for, for example Trinity Forest Aaron Wise shot two sixty one, and they they softened the course, slowed it down, played it shorter than it than it really is to to like make sure the players were happy there. Like this isn't hard golf for the modern era. That's the thing. That's like my biggest point is that this golf course, like it can be a major championship host. That's fine. It can, like. We can have a great tournament at it because these are the best players in the world, but it's not a great golf course because like it's completely unplayable for like an 18 handicap and it's not even hard for a great player. Like it was, it's an easy golf course. Um, we saw it this week and what on the back half of it is like Trinity forest is a, a joy to play for an 18 handicap and it's still really hard for a, a pro like, or still like is it's as difficult for a pro as Bell Revis. So like you have these two ends of the spectrum and, and it's just this type of penal golf design is bad. You know, it, it wasn't good for the, the, the golf in America. That's yeah. more the overarching point. You yeah. know, it, 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 you can have great tournament golf at a bad golf course because you know, tiger like Jesus, the guy made the golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah, but a couple guys had putts for sixty-two, and it was like no one really even cared. It like wasn't, no one was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm watching the greatest round in history." It was just no, like this course was super ghetto. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that it would have been a little different if it had been dry. But when is it ever going to be dry in August here in St. Louis? Like, a, this you get the course that you get when this time of the year. So, I I don't know that 
Brooks was like, oh, I think they should bring a Ryder Cup here. I don't know. I mean, the fans are going to be – Ryder Cups and courses are generally kind of like this where it's not like it's all that interesting. It's a Hazeltine or that's Valhalla a, or whatever. So Whistling straight. It's a, it's yeah. a, that's a perfect example of like, you know, golf and competitive golf has the ability to upstage a golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's like, you know, the golf course – Dismissing that a golf course doesn't matter, though, is extremely short-sighted. Like, you know, like golf courses do play a role. It'd be like saying, like, hey, it doesn't matter if, uh, you know, we're going to have this, we're going to have the Cubs and the Red Sox in the World Series, but it doesn't matter if they play at at Wrigley and Fenway. We're going to play it at minor league stadiums instead. Mm -hmm. You know, like the golf (laughs) the golf course plays like a significant role in 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 a championship like saying it doesn't matter and i and i am no way was saying it's the only thing that matters like i've never said that and that's what people think i said you know so what uh that being said and i guess you you probably you weight things differently what was the best major this year with eliminating recency bias i think we, i don't know i mean i think carnoustie was was better yeah, I, I was thinking about it last night. I was like, God, I think that might have been the best major this year. It was like, eh, it also just finished, and I'm like coming off the high of it, you know, as opposed to, and, you know, the others are more distant memories. I don't know. Pretty fun majors overall this year, though. You yeah. Spieth's crazy run on Sunday and, and Reed holding off everyone and, and basically giving a middle finger to all his haters <laughs> and maybe some of his family. And you have. You know, a, a world class venue in Shinnecock, you know, one of the five best courses in the world. You got a Tiger getting in the mix at Carnoustie and and Spieth almost like rescuing a, a terrible year and then completely, you know, Molinari coming out of nowhere. And then this one, like a pretty awesome year of majors, like no clunkers or stinkers. I, I think the most memorable one when we look back 10 years from now will be maybe the U.S. Open because of A, Phil. And B the 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 course, like yeah, like it's crazy, we, but like that's that's right. I mean, we think about we think we think about two thousand four, and we first think about the Redan, you know, number seven. You know, we don't remember. We know Goose and one, but we don't remember specific shots. We just know the USGA effed it up. You yeah. know, that it's weird the things we kind of you know extract from a from a full season of majors. How about Phil? Let's, let's use that as a segue to talk about like, he's, he's going to be on the Ryder cup team, I think, but it's not really the, maybe the best thing for the U S right now. <clears throat> yeah. I sounds like he's going to be on the Ryder cup team. And I don't know. I heard people lobbying for like, or I don't know, guessing that he's also going to, you know, bring his own captain's pick with him, which would be Kevin Kisner. It's like, and that may be right, but I just, I wonder that, like, if that's like, if he should have that kind of power at this particular if, moment. If Tiger gets to bring Bryson and Phil yeah. bring Kisner, like, isn't Furyk just basically getting cucked like on his own? <laughs> <laughs> like, Furyk got to stand up for himself and be like, "Look, if I want to bring Tony Fino, I'm bringing Tony Fino. You guys can be the captains when you're the day captain." <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's we, it'll be it's. I mean, they're kind of stuck with with Tiger and Phil for like. I I don't think you're stuck with Tiger after the, no, recently, but like, yeah. I feel like you're stuck with Phil forever. <laughs> That's you like are. the problem with America, uh, the American team. Like, I could see the Europeans not putting Sergio on the team. I don't know if it'll not happen, but 
I feel like, like, you know, Sergio, like, if he doesn't get picked, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I didn't play well enough. Like, Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I can see Sergio <laughs> throwing a huge, like, tantrum about. I would love it if Sergio was basically like, look, my form isn't there. My form is not there. I need to go and, you know, like, basically be a vice captain. Like, Sergio should take on that role because he's going to be a great Ryder Cup captain someday. But I, Sergio's also super proud and is going to say, look, no one's been a better Ryder Cupper than me other than Seve, essentially, for a long time. And I deserve the chance to to see if I can sort of find my form in there. I mean, Bjorn might not see it the same way, but Sergio has not exactly been someone who, like, shows it. He's obviously a different person now than he was when he was younger. But I could see some of that old kind of Sergio uh, pride coming out and saying, like, come on, man. Like, I... I I made the Ryder Cup team in Europe for these people. Hey, uh, Everything I gathered was that Bjorn is putting him on there. It doesn't matter. I don't what uh you know who led the PGA in birdies? Uh Finau? Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's gonna be a great four ball player if they just put him on the team. Like <laughs> That's the th- that's the thing that I find sad is like that that's what bugs me is like, you know, like Phil I get why Phil like Phil is a ratings guy. He sells tickets. He he like attracts the casual golf fan. I don't think yep. he has as big of an impact as people think, but mm-hmm. he is a needle mover and he moves it like a fraction of a tenth, a tenth of a fraction. I don't think that's possible since a fraction is it, but that Tiger does. But he mm-hmm. like moves the needle. But like Tony Finau should be on the team. Yeah, here's the thing. We talk so much about the captain's picks right after the auto points close that, like, these things change so much. I think more than we remember in the, like, three to four weeks before the picks are made. Like, Ryan Moore was just not involved in this point, 2016. Billy Horschel was not even, like, anywhere on the radar in 2014. Like, I think there's somebody outside that group that, (coughs) I'm sorry, could win at Wyndham or could win, you know, Wyndham. Philly or Wyndham Jersey, you know, somewhere, uh, one of the two legs. I think it just, there's the ability to really force Furyk's hand. I, you know, we think the universe is pretty limited, but sometimes, you know, there's guys that come from outside that, outside that, you know, that small group of four or five guys we think we have to. Yeah. Pick from. Who are the, the vice captains going to be for uh, Furyk? If assuming that Phil and Tiger are on the team, is it besides uh, Stricker? I assume since he's going to be the captain and whistling, but like who else is there? I mean, I, honestly, the I, the ideal scenario for me is that they put Fino and Kisner on the team, and at this point, Phil and Cooch are like vice captains. Like, yeah, Cooch deserve to be a, a Ryder Cup captain someday, so put him in the mix of like vice captainships. Zach Johnson might be a might be a pick yeah. too. He might be okay. a captain's pick. Yeah. Oh. oh God! We don't need to reprise that. We somebody down that road. Somebody made a point though. He he's a good fit for this course. There's tons of water. He sure. drives it straight and he wedges it well. That's, that's Furyk. Remember when Furyk was like he wouldn't rule himself out as like a potential yeah. <laughs> forever. He's like, well, you know, if I had been healthy the whole time, and we all thought that uh, he, that Love was going to pick him as part of the buddy system until Furyk, I think, kind of basically took himself out of the mix, like. Uh, these this generation like really sticks up for one another, and I don't know that they're going to quite. Uh, I, I, even if someone wins, I don't know that uh, they're going to say 
he's done it before. Let's take Kucher. Yeah, it's amazing how much like we forget political capital matters for these things. Like there, there's a group that runs. I was watching TV last night, and David Duvall was talking about the Ryder Cup, and I was like, why hasn't he been a captain? You yeah. know, why hasn't he been like? And, and Azinger like references, I think, on a either Shane Bacon's pod or I don't know NLU about how like there is a specific click that's running the whole operation now. He's not a part of it. You know, he's, he did his thing, but like there's, there are these clicks that run the whole thing and you know, there, it gets political. And I, I don't know. It was just weird how, how things change. I was watching Duvall. I was like, he won a major. Purick won one major. Duvall had probably a better career than Purick. Maybe, eh, maybe not. I don't know. But like, it's just weird how we decide who's in the group and who's not. That's yeah. the, the Furek Duvall debate's interesting because, like, do you do you? This is this is my Ernie Phil take. This is the same thing. Like, do you like Phil's longevity into his like late forties? Trump's Ernie, but Ernie in his thirties was like way better than Phil. Like prime versus prime. Yeah. Like yeah. the other thing, Phil didn't win a major till the Pro V One came out. Like Ernie, Ernie won when it was a, a, a game that had more skill. This is, a, but the Duvall, the Duvall thing is the Duvall is a shorter career, but more, much more dominant career than, um, than Furyk. But Furyk's was longer sustained success. I feel like you have to, it, like, if you go into television stuff, I think it becomes a little bit harder to sure. become a part of the Ryder Cup click because you have to, to do television well, you have to be critical of players. And so then, all of a sudden, like it's like Phil, like lashing out at Brandel in that Shipnuck piece. Like Phil, it's expected. He's like, oh, I think everyone should. It should be the job of the people to lift up golf instead of tear other people down. Well, you know, that's not an analyst's job. An analyst should be like tethered to the truth, not to like boosting the game. And so, I don't. Obviously, Duvall, it was a. He hasn't been in that TV that long, but it, it probably in choosing that path in some ways makes it hard for him to ever really get back into it. If he, if he was tomorrow, like I really want to be a Ryder cup captain, I think they'd be like, Oh, well, that's, sorry, but that's not happening. It also goes into playing in Ryder cups late in your career. The longevity bridges yeah. it like, cause like, you know, devolve somebody say, might say, Oh, he doesn't really understand the modern game, you know, because he's not around these mod. He's not around the guys all the time. When you're 40, sure. when you're 46 and still playing, on tour at a semi at a, at a, like a competitive level, like you know these guys and there's that camaraderie. You know, it's the same yeah. reason that you know Kucher. I still think he's going to get picked because he's a great team room guy. Yeah, he's also malleable. He will play with anyone. Like yeah, he will play with true. Bubba, and then he will play with DJ. Like he just plays with. He he just he doesn't mind playing with anybody. He, that 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 is an asset. I mean, here's a hypothetical. Like, what if Stewart Sink? Had outbattled <laughs> Tiger down the stretch and been like the guy that like disrupted that won two majors over like the greatest story in sports two times. That was a distinct the possibility. Like, yeah. The most innocent hated man of all time. Stuart <laughs> <laughs> Singh's a good dude. And it, like, yeah, he, it was funny to hear him talk about they were asking, like, what was it like to play the Tiger? And he was like, man. I played with Tiger a lot back in the day. I mean, a lot. Like, <laughs> I remember a lot of Sundays where you know, he didn't quite say it, but you could tell he was, like, mentally clicking, like, 
I just got dusted. And it was it was similar to that. This so was like Stuart Singh like came to the microphone that day with like the perspective of a guy who's seen some shit. And they're like the, the current generation just now figuring out like what it was like to play with bonkers crowds and people who moving every time you hit your shot and no one cheering for you and stuff. It was like I wanted to sit there and hear Sink tell Tiger like playing with Tiger stories for ten minutes. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a shame that uh, I don't know. I, it's like I don't know. I would have loved to have JT in that like Tiger group on Sunday. Yeah. You know, like Gary Woodland's a great player. He's a really good PGA Tour pro. But like, what Gary's Gary's experience on Sunday was unlike any anything anybody else felt, and like. It would have been such a, a like to have JT making that run like that he made in the middle of the round with Tiger. Like, I mean, that would have been unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would have been cool. JT would have definitely embraced it. It was funny. Like JT, they were like showing Tiger like highlights on the board when JT was like trying to make birdies. And even he was kind of joking about how that was pretty freaking cool to like be in the mix with Tiger in a tournament, you know, in a major. So. I, I Tiger has like the straight up yips off the tee. Oof, yeah. Uh man. True. I mean it's the, the yeah, irony so. hit on thirteen was like a shank. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, he missed the fairway by like thirty yards. I'm just thinking back in my head. Like I, he, it was unbelievable to see him like hit an iron on Sunday or whatever. And he's like, he would twirl it and like walk away and it would like end up in the bunker. Like even he wasn't, <laughs> it was weird to see him not even like do the thing where he kind of holds it, and gets pissed or whatever. I think he, some of those irons, he thought he sort of stripped and they, they were still missing fairways. It was bizarre. It's I, it was something else. I, uh, so, uh, PGA, I mean, I feel like we're still in the same spot we were before the tournament. It was like one of it was you know it'll be one of the best best PGAs of you know, I mean the best PGA of all time over the last ten years before this one was Tiger Y.E. Yang. Yeah, yeah, and then that one you know sort of ended with a thud unless you were sort of pulling for the underdog. Uh, so I don't know. I think I, I I think if we're ready to do overrated underrated, I'm ready to say PGA underrated. I was yeah. I'll say this. I'll say this, and to make it extremely personal, uh, I was happy I wasn't going, and now I have serious fault. Like I'm pissed I didn't go. It looked sweet, but at the start of the week, I was like, oh, I am just quite happy and contented to sit fat and happy on my couch and watch this on TV. And I really wished I was there this weekend. You were on a heater on Twitter all week, though. You were you had a, a really you had an excellent week on just with some great tweets, I got to say. Well, that's good. I mean, the most useless and least valuable <laughs> skill in the world. I was doing it well. I appreciate it. I, the fact that I'm like driving distance away and didn't drive down, it kind of makes me sad. <laughs> like, had a credential, too. You wasn't just like... It wasn't like you had had to buy a ticket. You could have walked within the ropes with and seen Tiger with us, and you decided to go have burritos instead. So. But this is the one thing I will say. Like, I mean, nobody watched Brooks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, like uh, that's like I, th- I think that's where. I mean, 
So here's an interesting thing with like the PGA is the PGA championship to me, the more I think about it seems to embrace the event, like, and going to the event, which when you think about the future of golf and just sports in general, like the event is becoming like going to the events, becoming less and less a part of the sport. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I couldn't believe how big that merchandise tent was. Like the amount of infrastructure you need to host a PGA championship is insane. Like, and that, that's like the, the reality. And like to go, like to go to places like St. Louis, there's only one course that can host it. And to me, that's like one of the biggest problems is that like with the way major championship golf is now and like the way they have to make money like the pga made so much money this week like so much money um is that limits where you can go there's i think there's only probably like 30 courses around the country that can feasibly host a major championship i mean where they go next go bethpage harding park uh trump bedminster's in there which will be interesting um (laughs) You know, it's just, it's a lot of like, or Keowag, Oak, Oak Hill. Big. Yeah. Next three are Bethpage, Harding Park, Kiowa, and then Trump Bed- Bedminster, I think. That's the word, the next four. And, it's uh, all big, big, big public courses, except for Trump's, I guess. Yeah, like, like Trinity Forest is a great example. It can host a PGA Tour event, but it can't host a PGA. Yeah. It's not Why? big enough. There's just not enough space. Ground, yeah. You know what I was thinking about? You were talking about how much you hated the third hole. And I think um, the reason that that had to play like 130 or 140 or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God. The batteries were covered by a corporate tent. Oh, <laughs> like, God. No. Yeah. They to accommodate the tents, they had to put them over it. Right? Oh, no. I literally yeah. like walked up to that hole. It makes so much more sense. Like when I, I walked up to that hole, I was like, my God, this might be the worst short par three I've ever seen in my life. And like, I got a lot of heat for like saying it was a horrible hole. But then I found out that like there's a tee like 170 yards out and it makes so much more sense. It's like a legitimate hole. But like the way it was set up, it was like nobody made a bogey on a par three in a major <laughs> championship. And I, so- I'm like the biggest par doesn't matter guy, but the only scores on the hole for the day were two or three. How How is that even possible? <laughs> wow. That is some good on the ground uh, insight. That is kind of a farce. If they put a tent over a tee box. You know, it's, it's, I mean, well, that is the starkest example of how these things are, are kind of, these things are events. They're, I mean, they're, in the 18th hole, Kyle and I were joking about this, but like, the 18th hole was backed up against a road. And then like we were, we were laughing about like thinking about Jim Nance, like, you know, calling like the sort of the majestic like and then there's trucks like driving by like you know? <laughs> <laughs> and all the, the big semi trailers for that they had to set up were like just you could hear the generators like humming like it was not exactly like the pristine sort of beautiful, you know, they, I'm sure Steve has hit it well on the cameras, but it looked like it was backed up against, you know, a, a construction site, essentially. Yeah, you try to think of these, yeah, these majors. I'll never forget. You, you think these courses are like these bucolic classic setups. I'll never forget at Oakmont during a rain delay watching people pile in a porta potty to shield themselves from the rain. 
It smells <laughs> filthy, like disgusting. It's just like oh, God. these generators everywhere, these trucks everywhere. I mean, it's kind of like you, you can lose sight of the course. It's a big, major sporting event. I'm uh, I'm excited for the first no attendance golf tournament, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I hope it's in like the next five years. Like no, I already have. Tory when when uh, what's his name when the weather delay uh, but, meant that uh, Schnedeker had to play in front of no crowds or whatever that was the no attendance golf tournament. I know I'm, I'm saying nothing, nothing, no no stands, no parking, no hospitality. You sell like you know like you think about the costs that go into it, and that's part of where all this. But like all the benefits for a sponsor are digital. I know that they have these like pro am stuff, but like. The, the the digital benefits are all that matters in the modern world. Yeah, I, I that's what it's going to have our Hickory Club Championship at National Golf Links. That'll be the one where you have to hitchhike into National Golf Links and uh, no cell phones are allowed, and uh, that's it. I mean, Kiowa should be the one. Yeah, you know, players go out to the end of the island. You know, nobody else does. Nobody has to sit in that. The shuttle, which we still hear, you know, war stories about to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that should be the one. Just Do you think I could something out there? I could book an Airbnb like now for that major. <laughs> like, yes. Hey, I want to rent this house like four years from now for this week. Not for cheap. Um. All right. Let's uh. Let's do uh. Let's do overrated, underrated. All righty. Let's say uh, St. Louis. Uh, I'm going to say underrated. Yeah, I had some really good barbecue this week and, uh, you know, played an awesome course in St. Louis Country Club. And uh, even though the, the fans were mean to me because I was making fun of their the boring course uh, in Belle Reve, uh, I still enjoyed it. So underrated. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't really speak to it. I'd say underrated despite yeah underrated they i think they tend to puff their chest out about being great sports fans which maybe it's deserved but it sounds like from all accounts the players loved it i, I kind of hate when you do those questions we did in dc like hey man tiger what'd you think of the fans coming back to dc oh, yeah, what are you what gonna, gonna say, say? <laughs> what's he gonna say they oh, suck god these guys are just Asshole. Uh, let me. Let, I need to have a quick rant about this. That is the most thirsty behavior ever by media people, and it drives me bonkers. And it, look, it just seems comes off as so small town and like provincial. And look, if they do it in Baltimore too, I'm sure if they did it, uh, held a championship in Montana, people, the Montana media would do the same thing. But it just like in the final press conference, when you got you know like, someone's asking Brooks Kepka. Like how awesome were the fans? Can you can you say Brooks? Like can you just say a few words about the St. Louis fans? Oh, come on, that is not journalism. You're doing PR for the St. Louis like commerce chapter. Like gr- grow up and do real journalism, please. I would like I would like the one guy to just say, eh, they're all right. I mean I don't know <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys will get another major. I don't, I'm not talking about St. Louis specifically. I'm just saying generally I would love for someone just to kind of like flip it around so that local newscast you know news team five doesn't have their sound nope. but kepka was our chance kepka <laughs> like, i don't know man it's fine it's a, they uh they asked i guess kepka's uncle or uncle played on the cardinals and won the world series Dick with Grove, the Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> and they asked him about it and kepka was just like uh, yeah <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know. He like knew cool. nothing. And it's like, how did you not expect that question? <laughs> um, but I, you know, St. Louis as a Cubs fan, way overrated. All right. Yeah. You know, as a Chicagoan. But right. they, they did a great job this week. I got to give credit where credit's due. They did a great job. It would only be better if it wasn't in August. It was so, it was so humid down there. But, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, they did, they did a great job. They deserve, they deserve a, a golf course that can, you know, they, that's the sad thing is there's, for me, is there's one golf course there that can host, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and that, that is the reality of most cities is that there's one golf course to host and it's not the, the course you would most want to see the championship at. Yeah. So, uh, underrated, um, over, or I guess, yeah, underrated for a championship. I think like the small town thing is underrated. I I listened to a lot of Nelly this week. That was that was awesome. You know, I I, I think I listened to an hour of it last night. But uh, I definitely listened the country grammar a couple of times because Porat said it should be like you know our national anthem, and so uh, yeah, hot shit. <laughs> when that when the bass comes on, it's well. I always think about that the beginning of EI though. It's like I'm a sucker for cornrows and manicured toes, Philly capri Philly capri pants and parachute hose or something like that's a that's a great opening line. What if, what about you couldn't hold me if your last name was Hand? You know. <laughs> Can I talk about the absurdity that Nelly and Tim McGraw did a duet? Oh, and it's like, just, you know, <laughs> pop the charts for like a year. We're going to look back on that in 20 years like, what? Nelly and Tim McGraw? Yeah. Uh, I, I, was listen- this- I was listening to uh, Just a Dream last night. It's an older, uh-huh. it's a it's a later stage Nelly song, more R&B. But I legitimately was listening to it and I was like, man, this song's about cat. You know, and it's like all about how he misses his girl and like he just wants her back. And like listening to it after what just happened, I was like, man, it's so good to have Cat back. <laughs> like, this is what I felt for like the last five years. Yeah. Um, uh, overrated, underrated. Ricky Fowler. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm going to say overrated. Uh, I mean, at this point, like it was there for the taking. I know he was a little bit hurt and that'll be the thing that everyone sort of says, you know, well, how could you rip on Ricky? He was hurt. You know what? Everyone's kind of like a little bit hurt out there. Like there, no one's hundred percent healthy. The, the guy with a fused back almost won this championship at some point, Ricky, like I think you need to sort of step up and win one of these. You're you're everyone thinks you're a great guy. And I, you seem to be, but uh, we're not. Brooks Koepka might not be a great guy. Might be winning championships. So championships are kind of what people are going to measure you on. So it's it's time to to stop getting in the mix and and not delivering a great round uh, when it would give you a championship. Yeah, uh, I say overrated. Just not. A, I mean, not a part of the battle. What do you shoot? Sixty five, sixty seven to get to the. You were talking about. Um, Aaron Hills last year, whoever was, I think KVB brought it up. Yeah, it's just like another Sunday. I was thinking, oh yeah, the, the analogy works because Ricky was there on that another Sunday where Ricky just was supposed to be a part of it and completely was ejected from the broadcast. You know, early in the round, 
or, or it was the open this year where he hit where he made a triple on six. He's just like there's you can only you're when you're that close that many times and never like he's not even like a factor on the back yeah. nines on Sunday. We saw him at the Masters make kind of be make the charge uh, against Reed, but it's just there's he's overrated. I'm sorry, and until I, I tend to think we forget about how great he was closing that players championship. Yeah. Like I, I think that great closings ever. I mean, I think that deserves more weight. than like when we have these discussions about him coming up short in majors, I think we forget about it quite honestly, but uh, I'm going with overrated. When I, when I get together with the sports writers and reconfigure what the majors were retrospectively, like they did to my man, <laughs> Hagen, I'm just going to be like, well, that's a major. So Rick actually won a major there. Psych. Like, <laughs> what do you think? Um, you know, I uh, I always say that winning is overrated, and he finished second in the cumulative majors, best score. You know, again, like he's he was a factor. He was a factor in all of them, in a sense, a little bit, like a weekend, like U.S. Open, maybe not. He kind of yeah. ejected hard, but like he was every weekend, he was in the mix. Um, but like at the end of the day. Has there ever been a major that we say he should have won this? Like, uh, no, no. I feel like, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like he should have won Aaron Hills. Like, he was in. He was a shot back of. But I'm saying, right? like, he he. It wasn't like on Sunday, this right. guy's gonna yeah. win. Like, it's never been that. And like to me, it goes back to like he just doesn't win. Yeah. And is, he hasn't won at a high rate and in tour events. So why are we expecting? Like he contends a lot, but like, mm-hmm. is he really contending? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're. Yeah, that's well put. I'm not going to get into theory on why, but yeah, yeah. Like DJ, he has like three majors he should have won. Yeah, I think closing kick is a thing. Like it, you know, he obviously has it sometimes. Like he. The fact that he didn't win the Masters might have just come down to Reed banging it off the pin instead of putting it off the green. But, you know, that's there's a lot of more instances of where if he had played like that, uh, he would have won a major at this point. And he just kind of hasn't really done it. And I don't know. Eventually you are who you are. It's like that thing with the uh, Parcells. You are what your record says you are. Uh, that's rick last last question before we get out of here this is going long but most disappointing season um uh major season major Major season season? tiger can't believe it in one one uh i would say dj yeah dj should have won that U.S. Open. I mean, if he had taken care of business on the weekend, Kepka never really would have had a chance. And he should have been in the mix here and backed up. You know, I don't know why he can't quite figure out uh, Augusta. He's obviously a really good uh, links player, too. I don't know. He's just, at some point now, DJ's 36, Four. 37, 34. 34. Uh, Older or younger. Have more than one major. Like, he's as good of a player... Uh, talent wise as Kepka is so I, I feel uh, like 
uh, DJ is my pick. You know how you, uh, Rory Spieth, uh, there's some there's some candidates here. JT. But I, I tend to agree with DJ with the DJ answer because what you said earlier about Brooks, Brooks, DJ, and JT really being kind of a separate class. I think that's true this year. Mm-hmm. I think Rory's searching. I think Spieth is searching. I think those three are not. I think they are kind of their own class just this year. I, I, I wouldn't argue, you know, I'm not arguing that Spieth and McElroy aren't in that class or even in the class above them based on, you know, past results. But DJ should have delivered more than he did. There should have been a greater return on this season. I'm yeah. sorry. And that Saturday, when everyone's shooting, you know, there were nine, everyone's shooting 65s and he's, there were only seven scores worse than his. He shot 72. He was just, five over through 14. I I think, like, uh, between that, um, you know, missing the cut of Carnoose, I, I just, and the U.S. Open. I mean, just, I mean, Brooks just hip-checked him off the course. I don't know. I, I think uh, I think it's DJ based on the season he's had. He just didn't get the return he should have. I'm, I'm going with Molinari. I can't believe he didn't defend us to go back to back majors no um i would uh i think rory i just yeah i um i just i can't believe we're we're where we are with rory yeah like but crazy though that like i mean did he have a worse major season than speeth you know i guess speeth kind of had he speeth essentially had a chance to win you know carnoustie and and could have won it with by shooting even par that day, so I feel like Spieth's major season may be a little more disappointing than Rory's, uh, even though he was in contention at Augusta. Uh, Rory's Sunday at the Masters is gross. It was I mean, it, it was like it's kind of almost inexcusable. But, I mean, I, I love the guy, but the wedge, the wedge, the short iron wedge play is just—I mean, I not good, Bob. It's uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, so Rory Spieth. Brooks, DJ, JT, who ends their career with most majors? Uh, I still say Spieth, yep. uh, just because I think he's gonna he's gonna play till he's fifty and be contending at every Masters and British Open for a long time. But you know, JT and uh, and Brooks, I think I, at this point I would put ahead of Rory right now. Oh man. I know it's hard for me to say that. It make, it pains me to say that. More but. than four, they're gonna get five. Yeah, I Brooks certainly seems on his way to more than four, or at least JT, four. JT's got a long way to go to get. Yeah, I mean, that's you know it's heavy lifting. I I think it's speed too. I think it's I think he has you know the most staying power. You know he's gonna be playing the Augusta well into his forties or fifties. You know, unless he has like a crack up. One of my favorite things yesterday was when the ball was in the air at one of those holes. He goes, I hope you're right, Michael. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, I hope he is, too. He might not be might be thrown outside the ropes. Like he he has those moments where you're like worried if he has like if he's just going to have a mental breakdown. But, yeah, I think I think he has the long the most staying power. And shoot, he's even when a year he hasn't really had it and he was sick and not playing well he contended at, yeah. late on sunday at the masters and late on sunday at the open so i just think he's like a major championship player for the longest 
I uh I'm either going JT or Brooks. I think I think I'm going yeah. JT. I think I think JT his learning curve is a little bit higher like it, it takes longer, but once he learns how to play Augusta, once he learns how to play Lynx golf, it's yeah. I mean, he's he's just so talented. I mean, he's his game like from like a pure talent perspective. Not maybe yeah. not talent, but skills is like at a different level. Yeah. You know? I think he loves the moment too. J- JT, like he, he wants to be in the arena. Yeah. Uh, so totally. the shot he hit on 11 is like going to be like one of the greatest forgotten shots. The, like the punch he, where he killed the guy or he hit him in yeah. the head. Like yeah. he hit, like that punch runner up to like, yeah. that was an unbelievable shot. I mean, that, that will be one of the greatest shots that's forgotten from this tournament. So, all right. Thanks, guys, for coming on. That was fun. What a, what a good major. Great season. Thanks, Andy. Hey. You bet. Later. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you. 